people are what, about what Jesus has done in our life and um, it's incredible. We've just finished a series talking about the Holy Spirit and how many know that that doesn't mean we leave the topic of the Holy Spirit. Um, it means that that's continually growing in value and emphasis in our lives but we're moving on to another series, a preaching series and um, especially in Pentecostal churches, which we are one of, how many realise that sometimes we make a distinction between these two things? On one hand, we've got over here, we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got the fact that we sit in His presence, the fact that we get prophetic words, the fact that we receive from God, the fact that we leave feeling really good. It's an amazing thing about the presence of God. We leave feeling great. We leave feeling encouraged. We receive. We soak in His presence. Maybe we get a prophetic word, whatever it is. But how many know that the Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist? It's a crazy thought. The Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist. If you're here this morning and you're born again, you've moved from darkness to light, the Holy Spirit had an amazing part to play in that. The Bible says that He was convicting you of sin. He was leading you to repentance. And so whether you're aware of it or not, the Holy Spirit has a vital place and part in your life at salvation. So oftentimes as Pentecostal people, we, we sit over here in this amazing place that God has for us in this rest. We lie in His presence. We soak in His presence. But how many know it's meant to be for something? In Acts 1.8, it says that when the Holy Spirit came, it was actually to be witnesses. It was actually to be a witness. So over here, as much as this is extremely important, and you can't live without what goes on here, at the other end, the other end of the spectrum is over here, where it's just like, hey, we got no time for His presence. we just got to get the job done. Who's ever lived over here at one point or another? Yeah. We just got to get the job done. We got a great commission to fulfill. We got stuff to do. We don't have time. Let's even forget praying. Let's not even come to church. Let's just get people saved. We've all been there at some point or another. But it's not one or the other. It's actually both. And we make this crazy distinction between what happens here in this place of rest, what happens here when we receive from God and we make this distinction to this actually purpose why we're called. And we try and figure out, well, what am I? Am I like a, a restful spirit guy or am, am I like an evangelist? And we make this mistake by trying to fit ourselves in this category when it's actually meant to be both. Is anyone alive this morning? This is 100% right over here, and this is 100% right. We're learning how to journey with both these values. It's like asking a bird which one of their wings is more important, the left one or the right one. It's an absurd question. But the point is that oftentimes we're over here, and we're spending time in his presence and there's just one wing flapping. 
And we wonder why we're not fulfilling the destiny, why we're not soaring to the heights that God has called us to be. Or maybe we're over here and we're just doing heaps of stuff. And that wing is flapping so hard, but we can never get off the ground. And that's because we're not living with both of these things in tandem, in tension. As followers of Jesus, it's necessary that we accept both these, these areas. That we put value on both these things as a follower of Jesus so that we can soar, so that we can fulfill the purpose that he has on our lives. Who likes statistics? Yeah, everyone likes a good statistic. Um, recently, I did a little bit of research in, into the Barna Group, who did a, a case study recently. And they found that out of all the people surveyed, only 10% of Christians right now actually share their faith. Just over 10%. Across the world, probably more in the Western church, but right now, 10% of Christians, people who attend church, are actively, actively sharing their faith. It's interesting, isn't it? That if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if we have a look at the story, the life of Jesus, everything was about going out, having influence in people's lives. Everything. It was about proclaiming the kingdom message that the kingdom of God is here. It was about revealing the Father perfectly in every situation. Whether it was someone who, was, who needed deliverance, whether it was someone who needed healing, whether it was someone that just needed reconciling to God, or a physical need met, Jesus was engaging in people's life with the good news of the gospel. And here we find right now in 2021 in the Western Church, 10% or a little bit more than 10% of Christians are actively doing what Jesus, what Jesus actually modeled for us. It's a sobering thought for me. Because I'm not an evangelist, but I have a responsibility to preach the gospel. Further on in that study, it started to study why people don't share their faith. 27% of people don't share their faith because of, anyone have a clue? Fear, exactly. Fear. 27% don't share their faith because of fear. Maybe it's fear of man, maybe it's fear of rejection, maybe it's fear that they're going <coughs> to excuse me, look stupid, whatever it is, but it's all based in fear. About one third of Christians right now do not share their faith because of fear. They're crippled by fear. 17% next was the lack of opportunity. 10% was they felt they were unequipped. And 10% felt that they lacked any interest. As I was looking at these statistics, the one thing that kept jumping out with me was this issue of fear. Here we have on, on one hand, here we have this amazing experience where literally we are taken from darkness to light. Literally our, our eternity is secure in the person of Jesus Christ. Not only our eternity becomes and actually lives inside of us, we have hope, we have peace. It means that we can walk through any circumstance and one third of us, including me, are crippled by fear. 
as I was thinking of this, that verse came to me straight away. It says, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. This morning I want to talk about evangelism. I want to talk about reaching the lost, sharing our faith from this basis, from this foundational point of love, of intimacy with the Father. I believe that as we have that as our foundation, no longer does evangelism become an event, a good thought, but it actually becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a lifestyle because if we are fully loved and fully known by the Father and our intimacy is with Him, all of a sudden our heart burns for the things that His heart burns for. Maybe you're here and you've been frustrated for years. And every time an evangelist comes to town, you're like, oh, that's right, yep. We're going to hear about the fact that we need to share our faith and I'm not doing it. So we suck it up, we go to church, we get a little bit convicted and we hope something's going to change. Or then maybe you're in church and all of a sudden a series like this comes around where our heads drop a little bit and we go, oh, that's right, I'm meant to be sharing my faith. And then we look back in the last couple of months and we think, wow, things have just crowded in the way. Whether it's busyness, fear, all these things are just crowded in the way and here we are saying, wow, that one thing that's so prominent in the life of Jesus, I haven't even done. I would like to suggest this morning that as we experience the love of the Father and that intimacy with Him, our heart actually starts to change. I was driving along in Anzac Avenue the other day and I stopped at a red light and I looked over at a row of shops. And I looked in this shop, it was a tire shop, and I just started praying and just talking to the Lord about what this person behind the counter would be thinking, doing, their life. The light went green and I pulled over into the parking lot and I stayed there and I just prayed for this business. Next was like a dental, a medical hub thing in a row of about four shops. You see, as we have intimacy with God, it actually means that Intentional things are important, but our heart actually starts to change for humanity. If you've got your Bibles, if you can just turn to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Who knows Jesus was the greatest evangelist? He was also the greatest teacher, preach, uh, sorry, teacher pastor, prophet, Apostle. He modeled all these five elements perfectly, but today we're going to look at him as Jesus the evangelist. And um, in Mark chapter 3, we, we, we pull it, we, the context of the passage here is that Jesus is about to start his ministry. He's about to start the purpose of why he was placed on this planet. He's about to gather a team together with the sole focus of spreading the good news of the gospel to everyone. This is a pretty big task that Jesus has. He's come to reveal the Father. He's come to literally make Jesus known throughout the earth. Of course, God was known, but, but authentically reveal the Father, the redemption of sin and sickness and torment. This was his message. 
And so Jesus comes at the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter 3. And how many know that if you're going to have a movement, if we're going to have something, he's going to need a team of people. And so he gathers a team of people to do this very thing, to be witnesses, to reflect Jesus well in that place. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14, it says, He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, to have authority, to drive out demons. Let's stop there. When I used to read this passage, I used to miss an important part. This is how I used to read it. He appointed twelve that he might send them out to preach, to have authority, to drive out demons. This is what I missed. This is an important part. It's actually the foundational element why Jesus called his disciples, that they might be with him. Here we see when Jesus was initiating his ministry, his team, the ones who were going to go and literally change the world, primarily at the foundation of the reason he called them was so that they could be with him. So that they could be with him in intimacy and closeness. He always knew that, of course, the purpose was to to preach the, the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. But he knew at the foundational purpose that he was calling these people to him so that they would be with him. This was what everything was built upon. And Jesus modeled it perfectly. The Passion Translation says, He wanted them to be continually at His side as His friends. Let me say that again. He wanted them to be continually at His side as His friends. He wanted to do life with them. This was the message of Jesus. This was the foundational principle whereby his ministry started. Was that, yep, we're going to preach the gospel, we're going to heal the sick, we're going to cast out demons, but it's all based upon one thing, intimacy with each other, intimacy with Jesus. If we fast forward about three and a half years, and if you can turn to Acts chapter 4, These same men who were with Jesus in Mark chapter 3 and now in Acts chapter 4. And a little bit of stuff has happened. It's been three and a half years have gone. They have preached the gospel. They've healed the sick. They've cast out devils. Jesus has redeemed mankind. He's, he's, he's been killed. He's been buried. He's been risen again. He's appeared back to this group of disciples And he promised the Holy Spirit would come. He then ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And now we find ourselves in Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John are walking along the road. And there's a lame man there. And they say, hey, silver and gold we do not have, but what we give to you, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And immediately this lame man from birth, I believe it was, springs up and starts to walk. 
like any good move of God, it gets them in trouble. And so they get pulled before the religious leaders. And this is where we pick it up in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 7. It says, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or by what name do you do this? Verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, and you, all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Verse 13, here we go. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Here we go. Mark chapter 3. Jesus founded his ministry on calling people that they so they could be with him. We see that nothing's changed for three and a half years. We see the fact that Peter and John have gone along and they still know the secret to their success is being with Jesus. It's crazy because the people that are witnessing this event, there's a whole lot of stuff they do not understand. But what they say is there's one thing we do know. The one thing we do know is that these guys have been with Jesus. For Peter and John, it didn't matter about whether they had a PhD. It didn't matter whether they had done an evangelism 101 course. It didn't matter about all this stuff. The one thing that matters is that they had been with Jesus. This is what I believe is at the core of evangelism. Is the foundation of evangelism is that we learn to live a lifestyle where we get alone with Jesus. Where people might say, hey... We don't understand a thing you're talking about. We don't understand the methods you're using. We don't, even, we don't even understand a lot of the stuff that's going on. But one thing we do know is that Josh has been with Jesus. I want to talk briefly a little bit this morning about what it means to be intimate with God. What it means to live a lifestyle of being alone being alone, being intimate, being loved by God. That people would have a dialogue in your life and say, hey, there's lots of things that we agree, disagree, don't understand, do understand, but one thing is, that person has been with Jesus. What does it mean to create an intimacy, a history with God? I think it looks like the crazy thing is that as, as important as church is, we don't create history with God coming to church. At the moment, we're blessed with social media, with YouTube, Facebook, that you can literally have like be on four different services before you even came this morning. You can listen to podcast sermons all through the week. You can listen to the latest, greatest worship music at the tip of your fingers on your phone. 
something generations prior have never had access to. Incredible teaching. We have at our fingertips. But guess what? That doesn't build intimacy and history with God. Coming to church, as, as important as that is, doesn't build history with God. History with God is built in the, sometimes in the early hours of the morning. Is getting alone with God with this book. And when we've got troubles, when we've got a problem, as we just, we just go over the pages until he speaks. Maybe there's tears. Maybe there's joy, but we're creating history with God. It's what's happening when no one's watching. It's that relationship we have when there's no one seeing it. But we're spending that time with God when no one will even know. But it's history that's being made with God through the pages of this book. About a month, maybe six weeks ago, I was up at maybe two o'clock, just had an issue and, you know, it was causing me unrest. And in the early hours of the, of the morning, walking around up and down the hallway, the Lord was just speaking to me and he led me to a passage in Judges and a verse in Judges, which changed everything. As I read that verse, as he led me to that place, and started speaking to me out of this verse in Judges, all of a sudden my perspective changed. Now I didn't walk out of that, those early hours of the morning with my circumstances changed, but I walked out with an anchor. I walked out with a different perspective. I walked out with history with God. And I can show you on this page, I can show you on this page where it happened. The history with God happened there. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for men and women who will be intimate and create history with God. It happens on the pages of this book. Maybe you're up, up late at night and you're, you've got a health condition. Or you're lonely and you, you're repeating those promises that God will never leave me or forsake me. And as you proclaim that promise, there's tears I want to encourage you that he meets us in those places. Create history with God. Read this until he speaks. Read this until something comes alive where there's an anchor that you can hold on to that will hold you for the next season that you're going through. There's a saying that says, some things can't be taught but only caught. I believe this relates to this very thing. There's some things that can only happen as we experience that intimacy with the Father. We can learn from other people's mistakes. That's amazing. We can learn from other people's wisdom. But there's some things for us as followers of Jesus that can't be learned until we get alone with Him in this book. And through our junk of life and the issues of life and the pain, we start going through his word until he speaks and something comes alive. See, without his voice, I'm, I'm dead. Without his voice, there is no reason. Without his voice, I'm not alive. 
this morning as we're talking about our privilege to share the good news of Jesus to others. There's no underestimating that Jesus clearly modeled and has clearly commanded us to share our faith. It goes beyond saying. Everything he lived was a lifestyle that was looking to influence other people with the good news about his heavenly father. And the mission is the same for us. But with the weight of this on our shoulders, I want to encourage you this morning that if it's going to become a lifestyle, you have to, you have to experience the love of God. Because perfect love, the Father's love, is the very thing that drives away all fear. To be honest with that list of reasons why people don't share their faith, Fear and lack of interest are two that I have to push past. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. Sometimes I am fearful. But the crazy thing about it is, when I'm intimate with Him, something changes. All of a sudden, when I'm intimate with Him, my heart starts burning for the very thing that His heart burns for. And no longer do I have to write myself a reminder, although that may be necessary, or, or put intentional things in place, although that is helpful, but something is changing in my heart. Where I drive past someone, and I say, wow, there's a life without Christ. And my heart burns for that person who doesn't yet know the name of Jesus. I encourage you this morning, Hope Point, to create history with God. Just like Jesus demonstrate, let, let this intimacy, this history with God be the foundation whereby evangelism overflows from. During um, the recent three-day, I think it ended up being a four-day lockdown in Queensland, um, we we did the right thing like you guys and we were at home and we spent a lot of time together and I think it was raining a lot of those days so it meant that we were all stuck inside and for four days and that's always fun with kids and but sort of towards the end of the, that lockdown period my son who's five Thomas he came and jumped on me and said dad I love you which is not uncommon but then he said, Dad, I want to be just like you. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. But then he went on, and he wasn't finished. But then he went on as a five-year-old, and his ability to articulate and communicate this, he went on to say, Dad, I want to just do everything just like you. I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is like the, the high watermark as a parent, yeah? And then later on, I thought, what is he actually saying that I'm doing? And I, I, I was a little bit, but anyway. The point was that as we spend time with our Father, something will start to change in us where all of a sudden 
hey, we still might need to do things intentionally. We still need to be accountable. We still need a community of people. But all of a sudden, there's something inside that says, hey, I just want to be like my daddy. I just want to be like my father. It's not turning into someone you're not. It's discovering who you are because we are actually all made in his image. So deep down inside of you, the fact that your heart burns for humanity is actually who you are. That's authentically who you are. And that's why we all have a responsibility to preach the gospel, to share Jesus with everyone we meet. And so I encourage you, just in those places of intimacy, of making history with God, just like my son, who I hope it happens again in his lifetime, but he says, I just want to do everything like my dad does. Let that be our posture as we spend time with our Heavenly Father. I want to finish with one last verse. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 13, this is what it says. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is an amazing promise. Maybe this morning you're like, yeah, well, Ben, this whole intimacy, that's fine, but is he really that interested in intimacy? Let me tell you this morning that he actually initiated this. This intimacy is not a concept we've just come up with now. We're like, hey, let's just approach God and see he's in on it. He actually initiated this from the very foundation of the world. And here it says, even though we were once far away, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have access. This morning you have an invitation to come close to God. This morning you have the greatest invitation possible. And that's right now, is that we can engage with Him on an intimate, on a close level. I just encourage you this morning just to create history with God. I believe that the Lord is looking for men and women, boys and girls, any age group, that will just create history with Him. Recently, I've been thinking about eternity. And I just want to finish with this thought. Whether you're here today and you know Jesus, whether you don't, one day we will all stand before Jesus and look Him in the eyes. Those eyes of fire, those eyes of holiness, those eyes of mercy, those eyes of grace. We will all stand before Him one day. Maybe it'll be in two years' time, maybe 20 years, 50 years, 70 years, or maybe when He returns. We don't know. But one thing is sure, we will all stand before Him. And we will look into those eyes. And we will step into eternity 
eternity that is the greatest reality that we'll ever experience. I would like to propose this morning that when we step into eternity, it will make this reality seem foggy. Have you ever woken up out of a dream and you're sort of a little bit disorientated? You're not sure how much of the dream is real, how much of it's not, what's happening, is it morning, is it night? I believe when we step into eternity, it will be the most authentic reality we've ever experienced. And this life will be a little bit like the foggy dream. And so I encourage you, just like the Apostle Paul says, this life is but a vapor. It's literally there on top of the kettle and it's there for a couple of seconds and it's gone. Friends, family, church, we have an amazing privilege to spend our life for Him. I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, hey, I think it's a little bit over the top that the Lord has asked me to give this certain amount of money to somebody else or to invest it in the kingdom of God. And I was just thinking, are we serious? He's asking for everything. He's asking for our life. He doesn't just want our money. He wants our life. And when we, and when we stand at eternity, we don't want to look back and say, wow, he placed us in this city of Kabulcha. And we enjoy the blessings of God. We enjoyed His presence. But it never actually escaped out that door. So I encourage you this morning. You should be excited from this message. <laughs> you should be excited this morning. Because the invitation is, hey, come to Him. We were once far away, but He's made a way that we can become close to the Father. And in that closeness, something changes in here that affects out there. And that is the privilege of being a follower of Jesus. So I just want to pray for everyone this morning. Just bow your heads. Just before we finish, there may be people here that don't know Jesus. Or maybe that have walked away. Or maybe it's been some time since you've made, uh, said to him that, he, that you want him to take control of your life. I don't want to move on for a second without giving people this opportunity, if that's you this morning. If anyone's here and they say, hey, I've been far away from God and I want to come close. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to include you in a prayer and then we're going to pray all together this morning. Is there anyone here just quickly who wants to say yes to Jesus? All good, all good. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you've actually made an opportunity for us to become close to you. Lord, and as we, we read the, the commands that you've commanded us to preach the gospel, to make you known in our community, sometimes the weight of that can feel heavy. But Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you've created a way through intimacy with your Son where our heart starts to change in line with yours. And thank you, Lord, that as we, we stay in that place and as we grow in that place and as we journey in that place with you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that our heart would literally burn for what burns your heart. Lord, that we could say like Jesus, hey, we only do what we see the Father do. We only say what we, we, we see, hear the Father say. In Jesus' name, amen.